0: You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Kinney Show. I'm really excited today to have Allison Ras with us. She is a Hashimoto's health
1: coach for women with Hashimoto's disease. So we are going to be talking about all things Hashimoto's. And for those of you listening that know about Hashimoto's, you might know a lot about it. You might know a little bit about it. It is the number one cause of thyroid disease in women. It's a really, really important topic. And I highly encourage, and we'll talk about this more, but I highly encourage if you have any sort of thyroid thing, make sure you've been screened for Hashimoto's because as we'll get into, Hashimoto's is not technically a thyroid disorder. It's more of an immune problem. So Again, we're going to talk all about this. I'm really glad you could be here with me today, Allison. So thank you so much for being here. And I wanted to ask if you could just share your story so we could jump in with how you got into doing this and how you got into helping so many women.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate being here. And yeah, my story is very similar to a lot of other people's in the sense that it started about nine years ago and I started gaining weight out of nowhere. I had horrible brain fog. I couldn't even put sentences together. It was so bad. I started having like cystic acne all over my face. I was sleeping like 16 hours a day and could not even get out of bed and just knew something was wrong, but couldn't figure out what has ha- what happened to my body. And my hair had been falling out like crazy, like in clumps in the shower And I was getting my hair done one day and my hairdresser suggested I get my thyroid checked and I had never even heard about the thyroid before. So I was like, well, it can't hurt. I'm desperate to find out what's going on. So I went to get my thyroid checked and they diagnosed me with subclinical hypothyroidism which I later found doesn't really totally exist. And so for years, you know, they're like, you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life. And I just felt relieved to have like an answer, but I was like, okay, hopefully this is the solution. Right. And went on medication, still felt awful years later, went back, tried to advocate for myself and say, you know what? I want to try something different. And my doctor basically laughed in my face and told me that's not going to work. And I just left that appointment feeling so defeated. Like I was like, I don't know what to do. So I started doing my own research and I came across naturopathic medicine. I'm really lucky. I live in San Diego. We have a plethora of it here. And I was probably properly diagnosed by a naturopathic doctor in 2016 and just started healing my body from there. So I feel really grateful that I was able to properly get diagnosed.
1: Yeah. So i want to ask you a couple of questions about your story, just so listeners can hear this. When were you put on Synthroid? What did they put you on?
2: Yeah. Like so yeah. many people I was put on Levothyroxine and, you know, just sent on my merry way and it, my body just
1: hated it. Did you did you <laughs> feel better. Like nothing. Got no. better? Yeah. Which is pretty common. Cause as I said at the beginning, Hashimoto's is more a disease of your immune system. It's not actually, it can, and it's where the immune system is attacking the thyroid. So you can have there are several different antibodies that you need to get checked for, but and it will it will cause, in often cases, a subclinical hypothyroidism, which that can be caused by other things besides Hashimoto's, just for you guys listening, but most of the time it is Hashimoto's, which causes the thyroid to slightly underfunction. And so some cases the thyroid medicine will make you feel. A little bit better, but again, it's not addressing the problem. And I will just say that a lot of times when I'm treating Hashimoto's, if because the thyroid can eventually you can develop full-blown hypothyroidism if Hashimoto's goes untreated. And so sometimes you do need to take thyroid medication to bump your thyroid hormone up while you're working on all the other things, which I'm sure you deal with because you know if your T3 and your T4 are very very low, you don't have thyroid hormone, you know. We, we need to get that working properly while we're working on figuring out why your immune system is going crazy, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a lot of trial and error for me with with thyroid medication. And I always tell clients, like, once you find that sweet spot of the right one for you, you know, it can make a world of difference, but it also isn't totally addressing the underlying root causes of why the thyroid isn't working in the first place. So both yeah. kind of have put together.
1: Yeah. So do you want to share about yourself? Did you end up figuring out what was kind of going wrong in your body? Like what happened? Was it gut health? Was it immune? like, was there viral stuff? Was it because we and I can go through all the different causes for Hashimoto's, but do you want to share what you've uncovered in your journey?
2: Yeah, it's been such a roller coaster for mine and I'm still going through this. So I mean, I've I when I first got diagnosed, I my antibodies, my thyroid antibodies were over a thousand, and I've since cut them in half over the years. I totally brought them down. So for me, it, you know, I was one of those people that I already had changed my diet. I had already was making really good dietary changes, but I wasn't seeing the physical symptoms change. So, you know, when, when whenever that happens, I was like, there's something else going on here. And for me, it's been constant mold exposures. It's been obviously chronic stress in my life. And then it's just been, you know, parasites, heavy metals, like all these things in my body that just the toxic load, my body is so like a sponge, it just literally picks up anything in its environment and so sensitive to it. So it's been a a, quite a roller coaster. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought some of those things up because there are so many different avenues to kind of look and, and what you said is perfect for listeners. Cause I hear this from so many of my patients, you know, if you are making the diet, like a lot of people will, will get diagnosed with Hashimoto's and they'll go on the autoimmune paleo diet and they maybe feel five or 10% better. But in that case, diet might not be the whole thing. And in a lot of cases of Hashimoto's or any health thing, there's never usually just one thing. There's usually a multitude of different factors that are affecting. And so you've got to figure out how do we undo all of these pieces of the puzzle so that, because each, you know, each thing you change. So let's say, you know, and mold, mold is a big one. And we can talk more about that. But exposure to mold can put a huge stressor on your immune system. And that, that's typically what I find is, what I'm always looking for when I'm trying to figure out what has triggered Hashimoto's or any sort of autoimmune disease in a patient, what has caused their immune system to go out of whack. And that mold exposure is a huge one. Mold, when you are exposed to mycotoxins, which are the things that bad mold will put out, it makes your immune system just go berserk. And the immune system will start attacking things that it shouldn't, it will stop attacking things that it should be attacking. And so you get this really skewed immune picture which can then set you up for things like Hashimoto's or rheumatoid arthritis or other sort of autoimmune type things. So there's that. There's also, I always am looking for infectious load. So looking for things like Epstein-Barr virus or Lyme disease or any of the, the herpes family virus, which includes chickenpox and the shingles virus. It includes human herpes six, the regular herpes viruses, Epstein-Barr. It's like a family of viruses that when they get in there, they cause the immune system again to it just They confuse the immune system. So the immune system is trying to kill the virus, but then sometimes it ends up attacking the thyroid or attacking other parts of the body. So that's a big piece of the puzzle. Obviously, diet's a big piece of the puzzle. Gut health in general is a big piece of the puzzle. So there's all these different pieces. And I'm sure when you worked with your doctor, you probably found someone who was, maybe still is, looking at all of the things, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I definitely have looked at all different things. And I mean, I I admit in the beginning, I wish I would have just done more with gut health because I did a lot of like nutritional deficiency stuff. And I wasn't really getting to the reason of why I was nu- deficient in nutrients because in my own journey, I've discovered there's like root causes to root causes to root causes. And <laughs> yeah. so it's this like you were explaining, like peeling the layers back. Yeah. And it's like, whenever we're experiencing these, deficiencies it's like what's causing that right so for me it's constantly been parasites and you know gut health stuff that's just been a a cycle so yeah so kind of finding out those answers and you know being on multiple protocols has really helped me alleviate a lot of my toxin load
1: yeah yeah well let's jump back to I I thought it was good that you brought up some of the symptoms that you were experiencing because sometimes some of the symptoms that pop up with Hashimoto's you don't So if you go and you read in a textbook about thyroid, the typical hypothyroid symptoms are constipation, fatigue, hair loss, which sounds like you maybe had some of those, but cystic acne isn't always listed in a, you know, so, but that happens so often, or I'll see crazy eczema breakouts or just weird symptoms. People are coming in and I'm having weird gut pain or I'm having weird joint pain that's traveling around and doesn't seem to make much sense. Those are usually flags in a practitioner's mind, we should look for some sort of autoimmune thing. And oftentimes Hashimoto's is is what comes up. So, and yours sounds like it came on pretty quickly, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It felt like it. It felt like you just wake up one day and you have all these symptoms kind of surface and you're like, Whoa, what just happened to your body? And yes, the sick acne was a a big one for me. I was like so embarrassed with what I looked like, but you know, I later learned it's just like all these toxins were trying to just come out of my body, and they didn't have anywhere else to
1: go. So yeah,
2: the, everything in my body surfaces through my skin. That's just how my body
1: lets me know. Like yeah, which is not a bad, you know. And I was and I'm explaining this to my patients that you know the body has to get stuff out somehow. Typically, we're supposed to do it through the bowels, through the liver and the bowels, and through the kidneys. Our skin is also one of our major detox organs. And I think it's also important for you guys listening and to, to understand that the body tends to heal from the inside out. So things heal internally first. So if we're working on gut health, you know, the gut cells will heal. And then typically the skin is the last thing to heal. So oftentimes before people get in my mind when they're on a healing journey, before they Truly
0: get better. They'll get a skin flare. They'll call me and they're pissed off. They're like, I've got this rash and I broke out in acne. I thought I was getting better. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's a good sign. We're close to the end. So sometimes
1: stuff coming, I know it doesn't, it's the worst because you can see it and you're looking in the mirror, and you think something's really wrong, but it's usually your body is doing a good thing. But then to your point, there's always the root cause, the root cause, the root cause. So we've got to go back and be like, well, wait, what exactly is Is this a healing reaction or is this a toxin that we're trying to push out? And it can be that in a lot of cases because thyroid. Thyroid's so interesting, you know, the, and the important thing about thyroid, and we, I did an episode a couple of weeks back that you guys may have listened to, talking about a lot of different thyroid pathways. But you know, the T4 and the T3 are your main thyroid hormones. But it's really important for that T3 to get into your cells, and that helps the body do a lot of detox, right? So if if you're not getting enough T3 into your cells, the body can't do a lot of its metabolic processes, which also tends to include getting rid of crap in your cells. And if you can't get rid of crap in your cells through a natural way, the body will be like, oh, we're just going to push it through the skin. Then you're going to get acne or then you're going to have this buildup in the extracellular matrix and you're going to feel like crap all the time. And there's there's so there's a lot, a lot to look at. So talk to me about some of the things you see in some of the women that you help.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's all similar. They're always a mirror of my own symptoms and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, the weight gain is such a big one. The hair loss is such a big one. And yeah, the rashes, the acne, the the fatigue, brain fog is such a yeah. big one for so many of the women I work with. And it's embarrassing, you know, all these symptoms, like not only affect our physical body, but our mental and emotional state as well. Yeah. And I know for me too, I had a lot of like anxiety and depression yeah. and things yeah. like that. And yeah. When you just don't feel like yourself, it's just awful in every aspect of your life, from your home life to your work life, to just all of these things. And so... You know, I totally understand and I feel for all the women I work with too, it's just having to have all these symptoms come up. Yeah,
1: But it's good you brought up the anxiety and depression piece because I think that's often underlooked. And that's, I feel like Hashimoto's and thyroid is, is often not checked for in people because sometimes you might not have a lot of the physical symptoms. Sometimes you might just have a lot of mental emotional symptoms. You know, if you've got kind of, it can be kind of subclinical depression and, you know, you, Maybe your, your TSH looks nor, they will typically screen your TSH and you might, that might look totally normal. But if you have your thyroid antibodies checked, you know, part of your depression or your mental can be caused by hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. And that brain, the brain fog one is so big. And brain fog in and of itself can be caused by lots of different things. It can be caused by infections. It can be caused by adrenal fatigue. And usually it's caused by a multitude of factors. I just was working with a patient just right now before this call and when she first came in I was thinking oh she she didn't have she didn't have hypothyroid symptoms really at all and I was treating her mostly for adrenal fatigue and she finally got her labs back and her thy her TSH was normal her T3 was normal her T4 was normal but she had through the roof thyroid antibodies and I go oh well here's your brain I and mean, she'd gotten a little bit better when I treated her adrenals but most time when it's adrenal fatigue and I treat adrenals people are, they call me the next week I'm feeling great I feel awesome but she was like I mean, really feel that much better and when I saw her thyroid antibodies I'm like here's this is what's causing the majority of your your brain fog and a lot of your other she had endometriosis and some other issues but I think that you know the Hashimoto's is really causing a lot of her symptoms so again it's it's really important and thyroid antibodies are almost never checked by regular doctors I mean how often do you your women I that you work are, are they getting it checked no it's really crazy. So it's definitely if, if you're out there and, you're, and you are struggling and you feel like you're not getting better, make sure to have your thyroid antibodies checked along with T3, T4, TSH, you know, the whole T3 uptake. I have talked about this before, I mean, probably, but is there anything else that you like to have your women you're working with get tested for when they're going through this? I mean, I know root cause stuff, but making sure that they have basic things checked.
2: Yeah, I always advocate for women to get a functional stool test, because for me, I waited, I feel like I waited a little bit too long to do this. And it really uncovered things that I wish I would have known at the beginning of my journey. So I usually advise and advocate for them to get that done, just so they can get somewhat of a picture of what's actually going on in their gut. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's, that's a really good point you bring up. So you you wish you'd had that done early on.
2: I did, and I mean, it was an expense. I was on a teacher's salary, so you know, I was mindful of where my money was going at the time. But I wish I would have just put my money there right. first instead of like, you know, just buying all these supplements that I didn't really know that what was doing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that was really helpful for me.
1: Well, that and that's a really you know that brings up a whole other point that we can get into about where to put your money when you're because sometimes going down this journey can be expensive, right? Looking at supplement costs, looking at test costs, and I typically tend to tend to have I would prefer people to spend money on supplement diet changes if we know what's going on and we know we're not throwing things blindly because we know that supplement is going to make them feel better but to your point if we're kind of unsure what the root cause is that's when testing it can be important to spend your money on the testing and with autoimmune stuff it is important that we know exactly what is the cause so we can be treating that I was gonna add. did you have digestive symptoms when you were going into this were you having you did. yeah
2: I had yeah I was and the bloating and yeah, just all the
1: things digest. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and so yeah, and so a functional stool test for you guys that are listening, it will test how your body's digesting your food. So it'll test the different um, pancreatic enzyme levels. It'll test the level of fat in your stool. It'll test you know if there's undigested food particles. It will test all the different. I'm not sure what you are gonna have done, but there a lot of them will test the different bacteria levels. It will test for parasites. It will test for any sort of infectious causes. It will see what how your immune system is functioning at the level of the gut, because that can often be a problem. You can usually screen for celiac. It, it can give you a lot of answers to a lot of different, you know, you can get a lot of information, but, but they, they tend to be expensive. They're usually four $600. Sometimes insurance will cover part of them. It depends on which lab you do. But, but if you're going to get really good answers, it will save you money in supplements down the road. It can be a really good investment.
2: Yeah, I know. For me, it was. I mean, at the time, it it can be really hard to pick up things like parasites on them, but I was lucky enough to have it actually come up. And I had blastocyst hominis, which is super, super common with Hashimoto's disease. So I was grateful at least that I had that. And I was wondering why I had all these food allergies and that's why. So I always tell my clients, you know, it's not the food that's always to blame, especially if it's healthy food. There's something that's causing that food allergy. So that was like the, Mind-blowing thing for me
1: that <laughs> happened. Yeah, so a lot of my listeners have have done food allergy. I get this a lot. Of people will call in and like, well, I've done this food. I've done this Everly Well test. Or I've done this food allergy test, and I'm sensitive to you know 85 different foods. That's usually a sign that something is causing you to have leaky gut, right? So, and leaky gut is oftentimes the leading cause for any sort of autoimmune development. So. Again, if you're, if you've gotten food allergy testing back and you're freaking out because you're sensitive to so many foods, you need to go one step deeper and be like, okay, well, what's the root cause of my system reacting to all these foods? Because, you know, being nobody really is allergic to broccoli. I mean, you can be show up sensitive to broccoli, but broccoli is not a bad food, right? It's, it's, you know, and sometimes there are certain foods that can trigger that. For a lot of people, gluten can trigger leaky gut or if you've got a really bad, if you have a legit allergy, maybe to eggs or to dairy, eating those all the time can cause leaky gut situation but parasites are also a really big parasites yeast overgrowth any any sort of dysbiosis in the gut so SIBO or right there's a lot of different things that can cause that so to your point i love how you said like find the root of the root of the root. like keep going because there's there's always a root and i sometimes joke with my patient i feel like the original root cause for pretty much everything always is stress it's like well why why were you susceptible for Like why? You know, other people didn't get it, but maybe your system was stressed, you know, and why why did the mold affect you more than maybe someone else was living in your house? Maybe you're, you know, so there's most cases I find that when we come back to the end of it, it's it's stress is the big one, but it, that's a really hard thing to change, you know?
2: Totally, totally. And, you know, I mean, back to the stress, I kept asking myself, like, where is this stress coming from and things like that. And the more that I worked with other women with this disease, it was this pattern of emotional trauma as well. So, you know, sometimes you can tell people like, just don't stress. But in today's world, like that doesn't exist. Like we're just exposed to so many stressors. And so, you know, it it does come back to like, what does your past look like and things like that? How is that showing up in your current everyday life? And yeah, I mean, the stress is a big one and not just emotional, mental stress, but physical stress on our bodies too. So there's just so many
1: components when it comes to stress, as you know. But I think it's, I think that's good that you brought that up, the emotional component of our past trauma or, because oftentimes I find in, you know, when we start to go a little bit more Eastern medicine, when we're looking at the body, you know, the thyroid is your throat chakra. And so if you've been, you know, a woman who's been, or could male too, but anyone who's been abused, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, it tends to affect us a lot in that throat chakra area. And, you know, the, the body, the body is really amazing. It will, it will, we sh- will get physical symptoms. And sometimes those physical symptoms are a manifestation, an emotional something that's happened, right? So, so doing, you know, and this is why I'm such a big advocate for talk therapy or therapy of any kind, just to get Emotions out of it because when emotions get stuck or when trauma gets stuck in the cells, it can cause physical issues. So it's really important to, to talk about this and to understand, you know, if you've kind of done a lot of healing and you feel like you're maybe 70% better and you just can't get that last 30% of the way, that's when I'm usually saying to my patients, okay, we need to talk about the emotional realm. What is going, you know, what's going on in your head? What are your thoughts? What are the emotions you're dealing with? And we need to figure out how to, how to manage those and properly release them from the body because emotions are energy. And if they get stuck, they can cause physical symptoms, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know for me, like, you know, I do, I I talk a lot about like somatic therapies with my clients because sometimes, yeah, talk therapy is really, really great. And sometimes with those of us who've had a lot of trauma, it can only get us so far too. So So in my group coaching program, I bring in like an EFT practitioner, an emotional freedom technique practitioner, so that we actually have a tool where you can like process these emotions and get them out of our physical body and incorporating things like EMDR and, you know, think other resources where they can actually, we can actually get our emotions physically out of our body. Cause it's just like you said, like stuck energy. And it's so important to get those emotions out so we can process them and start healing.
1: Yeah. And well, that's really great that you're incorporating those, that kind of Therapy into, cause it's, I think it's a, you need to blend those things together, you know, like talk therapy is great, but that might not get you where you need, you know, you also need to do some of the physical work. And EMDR, what does it stand for? It's,
2: it's eye movement. Processing. Eye movement. Yeah, it's a
1: great, it's a great tool for kind of retraining your brain about a past event. And what was it? You said EFT was the other one you do. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's really cool. So yeah, if, if you guys listening are, you know, kind of at a point in your journey where you're struggling, it might be time to explore some of those options, you know, to look at, hey, is there something I could do some sort of, when she said somatic therapy, that's some sort of body work where it's getting things out. Because that can, sometimes that can help with a breakthrough in a, in a case or in your own body, which it's great that that's part of your program. That's awesome. So speaking of programs, if people are interested in working with you, if they're dealing with Hashimoto's and you're wanting a program, where can they find you? What's the best way to, to look for you?
2: Yeah, I primarily hang out on Instagram at Hope with Hashimoto's and I have a website, hopewithhashimoto's.com. And yeah, my two offerings, most popular offerings are my one Hashimoto's 101, which is my self-paced course. I teach you everything you need to know to reverse your symptoms. And then I have a group coaching program called the Hashimoto's Healing Collective. I run three times a year. So you get intimate support to reverse your symptoms over a period of eight weeks.
1: That's great. That's really, that's really cool. So if you guys are listening, you're struggling with this and you're looking for someone to really help you this specifically, Allison is a great resource. So what else could you want to offer? Is there anything else you want to say before we jump off, like offer to people if they're struggling with Hashimoto's or if they're unsure if they have it, like, is there any tips or anything that you would say?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the best piece of advice that I could give is just to get support no matter where it is. I think sometimes we can isolate when we feel like, you know, we feel hopeless and that there's nothing we can do. So, you know, my best piece of advice is just to find supports wherever it is through a coach, a doctor, whoever can support you and make you feel supported is always my recommendation because we're not supposed to do this alone. I think a lot of times it can feel so isolating and alone. So that's always my recommendation of where to start of is to find people, find your tribe, find people who are like you because number the number one thing I hear is like nobody understands what I'm going through. And so I think finding people who do understand is the number one biggest crucial
1: thing that's enacting this disease yeah and that's an awesome tip and you guys hear me harp on that every episode always I'm always wanting to find somebody who's in the corner and like you said whether that's a practitioner or a colleague you know a friend or someone else who struggles so you don't feel like you're having to go to run because it can can be really hard when you don't feel good and then you're trying to do your own research and it's never a good idea to treat yourself I always joke I don't treat myself I'm I'm a terrible hypochondriac. I, if I have something wrong, I start Googling symptoms. And I'm like, I'm a doctor. I should know this. But I have someone else treat me. Or I have, you know, it's always good to have support, like you said, to have, and to know that someone's in your corner. So thank you so much. This is an awesome conversation. I'm going to quick, do a quick little Q&A session. We had a question. I'm getting a lot of questions from you listeners, which has been awesome. I have Jill from Annapolis who has... If there was one supplement that you should take every day, what would that be and why? And my answer to you, Jill, and to those of you listening, my favorite daily supplement that I think everyone should be on is vitamin D. And I will preface that with definitely good to get your D levels checked because D is more a hormone and not a vitamin. So it we have receptors for vitamin D all throughout our body. And what we were talking about today, vitamin D is really crucial for keeping your immune system stable. So if there's any sort of autoimmune disorder going on, if you're wanting to just keep your immune system boosted, vitamin D is helpful for mood. It's helpful for keeping your hormones balanced. So that's what I would recommend, like a daily dose of vitamin D. Typically you know for maintenance, I will recommend one to 2,000 IUs a day. but again, important to get your levels checked because if they are low, you might want to be at a higher dose. But so that's my question for the day. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Allison for being here and I will see you guys next week. Take care.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to connect with me over on Facebook at Dr. Kinney and Instagram at Dr. Kinney to find more helpful tips and information. As always, you can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at DrAaronKinney.com podcast. See you next week.